This is Eastman's Elevated Podcast. I have on great guests that are really knowledgeable, consistently successful. We're able to dive deep down the rabbit holes of these different subject matters of shooting, of physical fitness, of mental toughness and drive. All the different skills that make up a complete hunter that you can become. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So this week on the podcast, I have back on my friend Josh Kirchner. So Josh is dialed in hunter on IG, uh, puts out a bunch of great content on YouTube as well. Um, He's just all in on bow hunting. Uh, He's got a real intelligent approach and way that he analyzes his hunting and he's always improving and he's going on these big adventures and it just makes for a great back and forth in conversation. So uh, today we talked about uh, finding new locations and not getting stuck in a rut. Uh, We talked about uh, execution, uh, uh, finding animals. We talked about our bows and tuning. Uh, and then got into what it means to be full send on a hunt and give yourself a chance at success. So, uh, great conversation. We'll get right into it. Just want to thank a couple sponsors. I want to thank Cutter Stabilizers. Uh, Earl Stroll is a buddy of mine. He came up with this company. Uh, so, he's a blue collar guy that was working this as a second job, but just worked tirelessly on um, improving his product. So, they're a carbon fiber bar. He's got great components front and back that really get a strong connection to your bow, so you don't got to worry about them breaking. Uh, you can add Uh, up to an ounce of weight or like multiple ounces but uh, add or take away an ounce depending on how the bow's shooting really helps the hold really helps the reaction of the bow Uh, i shoot a sidebar as well he's got a great sidebar mount and then i shoot a 15 out front a 12 inch in back Um, shooting six ounces out front 10 in the back and the thing just holds like a rock so uh, if you haven't played around much with stabilizers and uh, messing with the weights it just makes a huge difference uh, customizing that bow and making it shoot really well so make sure to go check them out over at cutter stabilizers i also want to thank method archery method archery i've been using their arrows here the last couple seasons they're just great go-getters again another small business that that started out by building really quality products and what sets method archery's arrows apart from the others is they use a computer program to figure out the dynamic spine of the arrow to perfectly match up to your bow so they take into account the poundage your draw length you know and it's it's like kind of what you do on arrow charts to figure out what your cut is but they plug it into a computer program to find the perfect spine so i just i noticed that i get really good accuracy out of these arrows they've got great front end components that'll hold up to abuse that don't bust off or uh, spider out the front of that shaft and then really good quality in the fletchings and their glue consistent knock point uh, i'm using the four fletch kind of a low profile vein just great for wind and steering so uh, just absolute money. In fact, I just ordered some more. Make sure I'm ready for season. Uh, they have a bunch of custom colors now, uh, so I really like. They've got this yellow color that's kind of like a 
um, uh, like a highlighted green color that just shows up really well but still blends in good, uh, you know, when you're in the mountains and things. So I, I really love that color because I love to see where the arrow hits so I can read it and then decide how, how long it takes me to take up the trail on that animal. So if you're in the market for some new arrows, make sure to go check them out over at Method Archery. And thanks to those guys for their support of the podcast. I also want to thank... Uh, Black Ovis. So Black Ovis is an internet retail shop that has everything you need for your next hunt. Uh, they carry all the top name brands as well as their own name brand that is super high quality. Uh, when Clint was over here like uh, a couple weeks ago or so, uh, he was hunting bears and he had a bunch of that Black Ovis gear. It looked like really good stuff. I've seen my buddy Dylan has the puffy pants. They have sleeping bags. Just a bunch of top quality gear. Uh, so you can save 10% on your order if you use our promo code. Just put in the, the promo code ELEVATED10 and that'll get you 10% off. I also want to thank Camo Fire. Camo Fire is an app where they have 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. Uh, so you get the app, you watch uh, these items come up. They're also top name brands. Sometimes it's overstock or uh, trying to get rid of some specific gear, but uh, it's always good stuff. And then you can uh, get it at a huge discount. So check those guys out over at Camo Fire. I also want to thank Silencer Central. So Silencer Central builds uh, uh, hunting silencers. And so hunting silencer, I think, would really help, you know, as far as like saving our ears so we can hear bugles as we get old. Uh, I also think it, it makes less sound when you shoot at an animal, so you might get a good follow-up shot. Uh, also less recoil, which is going to make it more accurate. So um, they they have a bunch of different models. Uh, the backcountry is going to be the best one for us, super lightweight. And then it you have to thread your rifle, but they've got a whole process for getting your paperwork done to get your silencer. They've got a whole process where you can send your rifle in, get it threaded, and uh, I'm going through that process now. So super excited to get one put on this rifle and um, see how it does. So uh, if you're in the market for a silencer, make sure to go check them out over at Silencer Central. All right. With that, uh, make sure to check out everything we're doing at Eastman's. Uh, we have new Beyond the Grids dropping uh, starting July 15th, which um, will be this week approximately when this comes out. Uh, I think the following Saturday or something like that. And then we'll have new episodes that release every Saturday. Uh, some some great ones like uh, Dan's Two Biggest Bulls to Date. I've got a good high country mule deer hunt in there. Uh, I've got another elk hunt that's coming up. So yeah, it should be really good stuff. So make sure to check that out on the Eastman's YouTube. And uh, check out our mule deer course. Uh, again, you guys know the... The deal, but yeah, it's like 99 bucks. Put in the promo code BRIANMDC, save 10%. You'll also get a kill kit. Uh, so we've got a promo going right now where you save the 10%, you get an outdoor edge knife, you get Black Ovis game bags, which are really nice, good game bags, uh, all for that $90, which is crazy. It's everything I know about Mule Deer, uh, internet course, like set up with uh, videos that can walk you through each chapter. Uh, it's definitely going to further your learning curve on mule deer. So make sure to check that out. Magazines, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, Eastman's Hunting Journal, and uh, everything we do. So uh, appreciate your guys' support on the podcast and um, social media and things. And uh, yeah, I'm going to get out of here for a quick bow hunt. Been working hard here in construction and um, getting a little time here and there. We did those Western Hunting Summits, which were really fun. 
uh, four-day events on those. And then um, salmon flies were going on the Madison pretty good. I've been hunting those things pretty hard in my free time and in evenings and things. But um, still just getting in my run, shooting my bow like season is coming. And, um, man, I'm able to get out of here for a bow hunt, go hang out with my buddies in Hawaii. Uh, yeah, just really good friends and uh, really good bow hunting. Those axes are full rut, so I think I'll go out there for a week and chase those things around and uh, see if I can't kill my big, biggest axis to date and have some good laughs and hang out with buddies. It'll be like, it'll be bow hunting action, which really helps improve my skill set. So, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be fun. I fly out. Um, See, today is Sunday, putting this together for you guys. Fly out tomorrow, Monday. So uh, when you guys are listening to this, I'll probably be out there hunting. So I'll try to capture some stories and videos and um, hopefully try to kill a good buck. So uh, be super fun. All right, guys. Well, let's get into this podcast. Josh Kirchner. Uh, I'm your host, Brian Barney, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Cool. Well, yeah, we'll... Um get into it man it's um it's always good to connect with you it's been too long since we've chatted yeah man uh, i think we last time we chatted was at hunt expo right yeah yeah i think so yeah you've been busy yeah, yeah i feel like uh i'm constantly um the best analogy i have is trying to fit 10 gallons in a five gallon bucket <laughs> um it was in terms of time, like I wish there was 28 hours in the day and there was 10 days in the week, you know, but that's just not the case. <laughs> Man, isn't that the truth? Like us as guys and as providers and then also, you know, with our passion, um, it, it is a bit of a juggling act. Like at times I just feel like I'm too busy, but I, you know, I, I don't know that I'd. I don't know that what I do with the extra free time or relaxed time or anything like I like to be running busy, but yeah, it just seems like there isn't enough time in the day or in the week to get everything knocked out. Yeah, things are definitely different from when, you know, like I look back when I was younger and um, just, I mean, the gosh, the amount of time that you had, you know, when, when you're a young guy, it's just incredibly different, especially with family now and everything like that. And I have friends that reach out to me that are like, Hey, do you want to go grab some dinner or whatever? And I'm like, uh, maybe in like two weeks, like, <laughs> like don't have the time, you know, but, um, life is good though, man. Like I got a smile on my face the whole time and, uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything about it. So. Yeah, that's me too. I, I like running busy and having things to work on and things to get done and in busy weeks. I think, you know, I can definitely, um, you know, I need to start cutting away some of my responsibilities so I can enjoy, you know, more of what I love or more time, uh, you know, in the, the outdoors and hunting and things of that nature. We we killed a great bear on Sunday, and this week is just money bear hunting. Like, the grass finally went off up here, and, um, mm -hmm. you know, I saw, like, three boars in three days or, like, quite a few other bears as well, but three big boars. And so... I know this is the week to strike, but I've also like got a house I've got to hand over today, and so I've just been around the clock working on that. You know, not to mention sleep deprived from killing that bear Sunday and packing it out till two in the morning, and you know the whole deal. So it's like, oh man, it's just killing me not to be out. But hopefully, hand off that house today, and then um, squeeze in a couple days of hunting here. The, you know, the, I mean, the, the problem is, is there's too much cool stuff to do, which is a dang good problem to have. 
Man, isn't that the truth? There's so much cool stuff to do that I could spend a lifetime fishing and hunting and exploring different rivers, exploring different mountain ranges. You're right. There's just too much cool stuff to do. So you got to like, you don't want to waste a day. You don't want to waste an afternoon. And I know like I'm just better when I keep busy. Like even if I have a day off, it's not like I'm sitting around relaxing. It's like, oh, I've got to clean the garage or I've got to get this started or I've got to get this organized or ready for this trip. So, you know, I definitely don't want to waste a day because you're right. There is so much cool stuff to do. I, dude, I'm the same way, man. Like I, uh, if I sit there, like say, oh, I'm going to read a book. I'm like sitting there reading a book and I almost feel like guilty like because in the back of my head I'm like oh I could be doing this I could be doing that you know what I mean and eventually I can't focus and I just get up and I go work on this or I work on that or I you know I got some like house chores that I need to do or whatever like so I I'm with you man I I hear you yeah same same for sure yeah well um man I bet you've been out chasing bears here a bit like um uh you're such a bear fanatic I can't imagine that you're not out in the spring chasing those things around Oh yeah. Yeah. I just got back from Idaho. Um, did a, did a wicked hunt over there, just big back country, you know, gnarly country over there. Um, had a great hunt, shot a shot, definitely not my biggest bear, but probably the prettiest bear I've ever shot. Um, it's like a strawberry blondish type of boar that, that we found and, um, just a wicked hunt, man. It was quick. Um, but uh very eventful (laughs) like we we uh we packed in and saw my first mountain goat uh that was awesome which was really cool because i just put in for mountain goat right before i left so when i saw that goat i was like well this obviously means i'm gonna draw a mountain goat tag now (laughs) (laughs) it's an omen (laughs) yeah so um saw that goat and then didn't see any bears the first evening it was a uh I'd I'd love to know your 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 thoughts on this man. That's something that I've noticed. So it was a real bright moon and it was super hot out. So I think those bears, because uh, normally evening time is is like the time, right? It's like bear thirty. Um, we didn't see anything in the evening, and I'm wondering if it's because of the moon and the bears waited until it was like fully dark. Well, yeah, you know, like, quote, unquote, fully dark with the moon. And then they came out because the next morning, like early, which is another thing that I don't normally see bears super early in the morning in the spring. It's normally like late morning. We spotted this boar at like basically gray light. Um, and I think we just spotted him heading back to his bed because he didn't get up again after that until 430. Hmm. So. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you, I mean, and it was real hot too, dude. Like we were like, like when I was hiking in, in the river bottom, it felt like hunting Arizona in August. It was just nasty, humid and hot down there. Um, so anyways, yeah, that's something that was kind of interesting to see. Cause it was just like, you know, you hear guys talk about, Oh, the moon does this, the moon does that. Um, I think there's something to it. I don't know if, there's a ton to it, but I do think it affects things for sure. Yeah, I think you're, um, I think you're right. Like, um, I haven't really dialed into it, and I've always kind of, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, I've always thought it's kind of like witchcraft or folklore with the moon or whatever. I'm like, oh, what if it's overcast or what if it's, 
you know, it makes a difference yeah, yeah. in the moon. And I definitely understand that the moon is brighter, therefore animals uh, can feed better at night. But it seems like animals are feeding at night no matter if it's pitch dark or if the moon's out. Now, that being said, sure. like, I don't think I'm the – you know, the like I know there's a lot of guys that are tapped into the moon phases, especially with white tails, and I see guys planning their trips and their hunts, you know, with elk around it. And I just see I, I don't know. I, I haven't been able to correlate it. Now what I do correlate it to is like definitely the heat that you were in. Like that heat yeah. really changes bears' behaviors, it seems to me. Like if I've got overcast cool you know kind of rainy misty days i'll see bears throughout the day and and when it's really hot like that yeah it's um you know and i don't always see them like right at last light in the evening when i when i like to hunt the evenings for bears i actually see a lot of them in the afternoon like your 4 30 time more so you know yep. four to five o'clock i see them poking back out and feeding around so like i don't know you know, it definitely the moon could have been um, totally messing with the bear's behavior and they're feeding all night with that full moon. Or it could be the heat or a bunch of other variables. It seems like us as hunters, we have there's so much bro science. It's like all you have yeah. is like your own experience in the woods and you can read other people's experiences or talk to them like we're chatting now. But but really, there's no real literature you know, like, like on it, that's like rock solid science proof. So we're, we're like stuck with this bro science of our own experiences and our own thoughts. And then our buddy's thoughts. It's, it's just so wild. I'm not sure. I'm sure there's something to it, Josh. I just haven't dialed into it yet. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, and the other thing in the end, I think the bear is going to do whatever the hell the bear wants to do, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, totally. He, he, he's got a brain of his own. Um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, we we got up the next morning, uh, found this bear, and then just made a big push over to him. You know, it, it took took us probably two hours to get into position on him. Uh, had to like go up a thousand feet, down a thousand feet, just to get to the point where we were like gonna be set up for him. He comes out at four thirty, um, descend down more. I uh, finally find like a suggestion of a flat spot to shoot from. Um, and, uh, shot him. He went down like right there. Um, so no blood trailing needed. So, and, uh, had to go down another 1100 feet to get to where he was <laughs> and then, uh, took care of him. And then on the way out, man, we had like, so we had to go up 20, like 2100 feet over and then down another thousand feet to get to camp. So like all together that day, we did like 7,000 feet elevation. Um, so we were we were whooped, and when we were almost to the top of the mountain, we dude a freaking avalanche happened right to our right. Wow. Um, there wow. was yeah, it was crazy. It was in the dark, and we we're we we're like we're going up this ridge, and to our right there's a chute, and uh, we're we're hiking, we take a break, and then we just hear. And like we look over to our right and there's just like clouds of snow coming down to our right. It was just, it was super spooky, man. Um, 
but yeah, and then we got back. We yeah, we shot the bear at five p.m. Got back at midnight and uh, ran out of water. The whole thing, it was perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> it sounds like a vintage bear like hunt. Yeah, you guys went for it, but what a great adventure! It's like those bears. It doesn't oh. seem like you ever see them close or whatever. They're always just a push and losing elevation. We had the same thing. Like I, my legs are just finally feeling normal as we had to run down a couple thousand vertical feet to try to close in on this one, and then. Same thing, climb yep. that bear out of there, you know, and um, yeah, it seems like they're always a mission, but what a great adventure. Um, oh, I had something to add um, on those moon phases, just like a like a tip or something that my buddies are doing, like um, when I was in Australia, uh, those guys are really dialed in on their hunting, and they are really dialed in on uh, the moon phases, or at least using this app. It's like, it's this app, and I'm not sure... You know, they they believe in it wholeheartedly, but there's this app. It's like outdoor times or like hunting times. I'll have to get the app so I can mention it right. But basically, it's tied into the moon phases and things and tells you the best hour of animal movement. And those guys have been able to correlate that to the animals. And it has to do, I believe it takes into account the moon phases. I mean, I don't think it takes into account barometric pressure and it's just like a little app on their phone those guys believe in that thing wholeheartedly and they like will look at it and it'll say the best hunting time is like 10 in the morning and then they'll see animals from like 10 to 11 it's like this app i'm not sure if whitetail hunters use it or where the app came mm -hmm. from but they're really dialed into the moon phases i have yet to been able to you know correlate it or really believe in it for me but god there's something sure. to it but um yeah, man, it's um, it's um, it's wild because these animals can move at such different times, or their behaviors can change by one little variable. But man, that's awesome! Um, such a great adventure, strawberry blonde. Like, uh, it's part of the beauty of hunting bears, right? Is like not only the size yeah. of them. I mean, big bears get me excited, but the color phases are really cool too. And there's so many variables with the colors that you can get. And like a like a strawberry blonde or like that red color is pretty rare for sure. Yeah, it was awesome, man. That's that's something that's always cool with those things. Like down down here in Arizona, we get like we get some pretty wild. Uh, I would I would go as far as to call them patterns. Like sometimes you'll have like uh, like a bear that has like maybe. Um, my buddy killed a bear that looked like he got in a fight with a can of paint thinner before. And just like, just like almost like leopard like, you know, like had like blotches of like based like bleach blonde hair, but like the the majority of the coat was chocolate. Um, so you you just never know, man, what what's gonna pop out, and that's that's definitely super exciting. But sadly, that was the only uh, spring bear hunt I had, though, man. I uh, Arizona. I usually do Arizona in the spring, but last year, well, actually, this is the first official year that this is into effect, but last year, uh, they pulled up a lot of spring bear opportunity for us, which is just a shame. Um, now, our spring bear season ends um, end of April, I believe it is now. Whereas before we had spring like units in Arizona that would that would uh, go clear into July. Uh, for for spring bear hunting pending sow quota limits of course but 
um yeah it's it's not there anymore so so i actually i actually just got back from chasing turkeys yesterday <laughs> like i'm like man i gotta find something else to do you know like they gosh it just it just i'm pretty eaten up about that stuff man just taking away the spring bear stuff yeah that's too bad yeah it um you think it'd be good for management for your other ungulates and things is to be able to hunt them in the spring and with those sow quotas like they should be able to control the numbers of those bears pretty good um man that's too bad you'd hate to lose opportunity like that especially you know a guy like you that lives in arizona and and loves hunting black bears yeah it's uh i don't know the real reason um they claim that's when uh most of our sows get killed which i just can't believe that because our our sow quota limits in the spring are like one and two it's not a lot but the sow quotas in the fall are goodness gracious five six seven sows and those and those get filled in the fall so it's like if you were trying to like impact sow quota wouldn't you take pull a little opportunity from the fall instead because the fall is like a gosh dang it dude especially when they're in the prickly pears that's like a slaughter fest man because they're just out in the open you don't even need binoculars a lot of times um and in the springtime our bow hunt in the springtime the success rate is laughable it's like one percent if a bear gets killed so i'm like the bow hunters aren't doing any harm what the heck (laughs) Hmm. yeah it doesn't make much sense um sometimes common sense isn't very common Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that's gnarly so anyways yeah anyways i'm pretty eaten up about it but <laughs> it is what it is man um it's it's tough right it's like uh uh you know there's there's more hunters on the landscape and more hunters enjoying it which is good it gives us a bigger voice and um helps us protect what we have and what we love but also you know with more hunters you know there's more harvest and um less opportunity and these states have to start making changes like montana's always been an opportunity state uh, but, you know, with so many people moving to Montana with like that Yellowstone show and we just have this influx of people that are moving here, well, those all become residents that all get general season elk, general season deer, and they don't really manage our deer per hunting unit. They manage it like almost statewide or they don't even know where a lot of the deer, where the, a lot of the hunters go for. So. Like in a in a lot of ways, you know, Montana's starting, you know, they're trying to manage, you know, off these the these old uh, uh, rules and regulations that that were in place, you know, 20 years ago. And so in turn, like they're managing like our deer herds are in rough shape in different portions of the state. And so like definitely these states are going to have to make changes. And and we've seen it, too, like since we've started hunting and started bow hunting, I mean, I used to be able to get any bow tag I wanted across the country for mule deer. And now, you know, they're a little bit more sought after and tougher to get. But, you know, there's nothing, you know, the management's going to change. There, there, There's still opportunity out there. There's still great places to hunt. And I think it's just like when we draw a tag, it's spending more time scouting and planning and prepping and more hunt days and really enjoying that hunt. So, you know, as things change, we just have to change with them, which... You know, it's like exactly what you're doing by, you know, getting an Idaho tag and going on an adventure there. It's like continuing to hunt bears and look for opportunity. But, you know, things are changing around us for sure. Yeah, no, it's it's inevitable. Um, but I guess 
I guess all you could do is just kind of roll with the punches and and speak your mind when when asked, you know, and um and just hopefully, you know, and then adapt, right? You just got to adapt and and just make the best out of things cuz I feel like there's a certain point where um change has to happen, like you were saying for for like your like some of the deer numbers in your area are low, like things can't be the same forever. You can't live in the past. You know what I mean? You've got to push forward and try to make the best of the situation that you have. So, And that's exactly it. It's all perspective and attitude. And like, you know, you hear guys talk about the mule deer hunting in the, in the seventies or uh, uh, that it's nowhere near, you know, what it once was, but, but there too, like, this is the time frame I get to live in and I get to hunt in. And I truly think we're in the good old days of hunting too. I think it's the information day and age and there's a lot of guys going really hard, but there's still like great hunting out there for all these different species across the West. You know, you just have to work a little bit harder than the next guy and um, uh, spend your time on your maps and on your research, spend your time scouting and hunting. And, and I think mm-hmm. there's still incredible hunting and incredible adventures to be had out there. So you're right. It is just perspective and we need to be involved in the game management and making sure that we have healthy herds and make our voice heard. But in that same breath, it's like, you know, I can't get too tied up, you know, like like in politics and things where I'll just get upset at everything. Like I, I need to live my own yeah. little life here in Montana with my family and be happy and, um, uh, you know, and and be appreciative of the opportunities that I do have that that we do have across the the lower 48 or across the West. And it still is just a great place. And there's. There's so many places to be discovered, too, and and hunting grounds are always changing. It seems like nothing stays the same. Like, I'll have a great honey hole for elk or for deer, and, you know, it's like I'll, I'll hunt that place, and I'll get my timing down. Okay, the 15th of September, they're rutting hard in this location, and I'll go, and I'll get it a couple years, and I'll kill a bull out of there. And then things change. It's like hunting pressure changes, uh, the elk behavior changes, or maybe like the the conditions during summer and the, the food is different, and so I have to adapt. And so I think it's like important that we don't get stuck in a rut with one unit or one hunting spot. I think the skills that need to be built are like being able to find these new locations and find new hunting spots. And even if we do have a honey hole, you know, we can't get stuck in this rut of hunting that place where that's the only place we hunt. We need to still expand our knowledge to different drainages within that unit or that are close to that honey hole or looking for transposing information from that spot to another spot that looks similar in the range. But the job is like a do-it-yourself backcountry hunter. The job never ends. It's like you're always looking for new locations. You're always looking for new units, new spots. You're always studying up on the hunts that you have. And that that preparation, I think, is what separates you know the, the guys that are consistently successful and not. It's building that skill set of being able to find new areas. Oh, dude, a hundred percent, man. I, one of the, one of, something that really grinds my gears and it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a shame is, um, there is so many people out there that are, uh, I call it being spot hungry and they like, they want to know like, Oh, where, where did Brian Barney shoot that mule deer? Right. Um, and they just like want this spot and, um, to them, they think, okay, well, that's where deer are right there, but they don't know why the deer are there. Okay. Like, like yourself. Right. So, 
um, I ran into, I ran into someone a couple years back, um, on a bear hunt and he found this spot based off of somebody's video. And he's like, that's where I'm going. I'm going there because these guys were there and really nice guy. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's like means totally well, but when, uh, when it came down to it, the conditions were different. Uh, one of these years he, he killed a couple bears out of there. And then the following year, the conditions were different. And he didn't know what to do. You know, he's like, I'm not seeing anything. And I, and I was, you know, I saw, I was seeing eight, nine bears, you know what I mean? I was fine. I was seeing bears, but he didn't know why he was in that spot. Okay. So, so I talked to him a little bit and it was like, it was the perfect example of like, give a man a fish, you feed him for an evening, teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. So like what you're saying, like really knowing why that you're doing things is so much more impactful to, in my opinion, than just an end result, right? Um, because the knowledge is going to keep you going forward and let you adapt to a multi, a multitude of situations. Um, and just in the end, just make you a more effective and efficient hunter, you know? So sometimes focusing on the stuff that is, uh, not, uh, sexy. Okay. <laughs> like, focusing on like for bears for instance like you're going to learn more about plant life than you ever wanted to at least in my opinion like for fall bears like here in arizona like like knowing stuff like oh you know when we get good winter rains that means the acorn crop is going to be pretty thick right like that type of stuff like that is it just will it helps you navigate through hunting season and put you in successful spots year after year so um yeah, we got you got to focus on little things like the process is what it is, right? Like you focus on the process and not just yeah, I'm going to show up, go to this one spot cuz it's my spot. And I think it is a little bit of old school thinking, right? Which is kind of fun. Like my dad, you know, he brought me up um basically uh, you know, ambush hunting. You know, we would sit up against a tree and wait for deer to walk by. But the mindset was, oh, this is my tree. Right? Like this is where I go. And if you just do that, if you just have that mindset, like, oh, this is the, this is the, the outcropping that I go to, to deer hunt, right? Your knowledge is only going to go so far. And it's like, when it does work out, yeah, sure. It works out just fine. But when things are different, it's not it's like things don't work out. Right. And it's like, okay, well, what do you do? Do you just sit there and keep burning days at that spot? Or do you, do you go back to your maps and try to figure this thing out? You know? So Yeah. It's um, definitely uh, hunting a lot of times is a thinking man's game for sure. Um, But and I and and I really wish like newer hunters especially would uh, just try to appreciate that. You know, like just because you're not seeing any deer doesn't mean you're a bad hunter. You just like figure out why you're not seeing any deer and just keep trying and you're going to learn so much. Man, it's so true. Yeah, and there, you know, there is a time to, you know, when you do find game animals in a spot, yeah, you hunt them there, and you learn that area and learn it really well. But it is this, uh, this dichotomy of like being able to go to new spots, being able to venture off, being able to go to new units or new hunt new species, and being able to dial them in and figure them out. And there's also a time to like 
hey, I found a good spot. I need to, you know, there are elk in here. Like, I need to figure out what they're doing and how they're moving through here and really learn this area because I can probably harvest a bull out of here this year. So it is like this mix and match. But, yeah, it comes down to to building your skill sets. And furthermore, it's like – I don't want to follow somebody else's vapor trail. Like I don't want to go where Josh is hunting bears in, in Idaho because you know, you've been all over the mountain. You did 7,000 vertical feet in a day. You've been glassing all these hillsides. Like the last thing I want to do is go chase a place that you've already exhausted or, or hunted out. And that's what I see too. It's like, um, there's some guys that just want to find a good spot or figure out where you're hunting from your pictures or seeing your truck park somewhere. And it's like, well, the spot's only half the battle, too. You have to know how to hunt these spots. So around here locally, there used to be right. nobody that would bear hunt. You know, it's like I would be the only truck at the trailhead. Well, now that's changed, you know, where there's two, three, four trucks at the trailhead every time I show up. But the difference is, is like, I've figured out that area. I know where the vantage points are. I know where the bears like to show up. So, sure, you can see my truck and park in that area and know that I'm hunting a couple drainages, but that doesn't mean you're going to see anything either. It's like I have this way I go about or go through that country where I'm able to turn those things up, and not to say that I turn up everyone before everybody else or anything like that, but it's too – I don't – I don't want to go where somebody else is going and spots are always changing. And so, you know, I don't want to find somebody else's honey hole. I want to find the honey hole that nobody's found and everything's always changing in these units and in these mountains. And so, you know, I want to find the place where the elk are pressured too, or, you know, where they're living undisturbed that I can get into and go hunt them. And so like, that's where I, I really try to focus and, you know, you figure out the longer that you do this that, yeah, sure, I I love drawing a good tag, but it does you no good to draw a really good tag if you haven't worked tirelessly on your skill sets. Like, you know, if you don't mm-hmm. have the hunting skill to be able to go into a place and, and harvest an animal, it doesn't matter if you have a good tag or a mediocre tag, you're probably not going to fill it on a trophy animal just because you don't have those, you haven't worked on those hunting skill sets, uh, you know, your map research and uh, your uh, glassing techniques and vantage points and, and being able to, to cover country effectively and glass into the grain of country and then your stocking skills and then, you know, being clutched during your shots, there's like all these facets of skills that go into being successful. And that's where guys need to focus is improving all those skill sets, applying it in the field, like experience is the best teacher. And you can learn things from podcasts, from writing, from videos and things, but it's taking that information and being able to apply it to your own hunting, then getting out and getting this experience. And then, you know, it doesn't matter if you've got a general season or a low point unit, or it doesn't matter if you've got a real coveted tag, like you're going to show up and be undeniable because you've worked at these skill sets and not to say you're going to be a hundred percent or anything like that, but you're probably going to turn up some critters and get some plays and have a good hunt. But it's all about working on those skill sets. And some guys just have their effort in like the wrong areas, like trying to figure out where somebody else is hunting or, you know, trying to figure out uh, where somebody else is having success. And it's just like, that's not the recipe to find it consistently. I don't think. No, I agree with you, man. Another, another thing that is like overemphasized, I feel like it's gear. Like I, I love gear. (laughs) I'm a gear nerd a hundred percent, but 
uh, gear is definitely not uh, going to be um, the thing that is like a make or break for success, right? Like just because you have good gear doesn't mean you're going to be successful, right? Some guys think that, oh, if I have this bow, you know, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to get an elk or whatever, which is like the, 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 the thing that you're robbing yourself of, I feel like when, when thinking about like, oh, I, I need to know that the spot where Brian Barney was hunting, um, there's this aha moment that you have, right? Like you're sitting there and you're like trying to grind it out and figure things out. You know, you're, you're turning up all the rocks and trying to find where these bears are, or these elk or deer or whatever. When you finally do that, man, like you, you're sitting there and finally like a bear pops out. You're like, I did it. Like that feeling right there. Gosh, dang it. I would hate to rob that of somebody, you know, just by like giving them a spot. You know, like I think there's like like a necessary struggle that needs to happen for you to for somebody to like appreciate um, the effort that goes into like successful hunting. Right. And like for themselves, like that aha moment. Gosh, dang it, dude. That's like that keeps you coming back. This is like another thing that keeps you coming back because you want to like keep recreating that. Right. Uh, like what what's it going to be next? You know, and uh, I just. um that right there, like it takes a little bit of grinding to get there, but for newer hunters, especially like, man, it's so worth it. Like just keep, just keep grinding it out. And eventually, um, you know, you do stuff a lot and, and you're going to get better at it. Right. And, and eventually things are going to work out. And when you, when things do work out, you're going to feel so like accomplished, right. That you actually did something like figured it out. And, uh, I think, I think it just makes for a better, a better experience overall, you know? So true, man. You're spot on. Like the, the feeling you get of accomplishment to put in the hard work and then turn up an animal like that is unparalleled. And, and the other thing to remember too, is like, you know, comparison is the thief of happiness. It's like, you don't compare yourself to, you know, to a Josh or to a Brian that's, you know, we've dedicated our whole lives to that. Like, you know, I've got 25 years of having, you know, eat, sleep, breathe, bow hunting. You know, it's like, um you know, somebody that's three years into their journey isn't going to have as much success as me, you know, just due to all the time and effort, different places I've been, you know, everything I've put into it. So it's important to realize where you're at in your journey and set like realistic expectations and, and, um, you're right. The feeling of accomplishment is like climbing Everest. It's like when you go to a new place and you dial it in and you find those animals and whether you kill or not, it's those successes that it's like, man, I put in all this work, all this effort. You know, I'm playing this chess game. I've been thinking and theorizing and and plotting and 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 gosh dang it. I found what I was looking for. Like what a win, you know, that that's like this priceless feeling. And I I love what you mentioned about gear, too. It's um. Gear doesn't make the hunter. You have to have the necessary gear items. Like there's a bar for entry, but there too, you like when I was young, uh, Cabela's used to be where you'd get your gear. That was like the only place to get Mm -hmm. it like online. I mean, there was some sporting goods stores and stuff. And I remember there was this one year and I was a young kid, like 20 years old. And I, 
had these items I wanted at Cabela's, and so I spent you know a ton of money for me at the time. It was like a thousand dollars or eight hundred dollars. Can't remember the exact amount, but it was a ton of money for me, and I spent it, and I got this new gear. And then I got to hunting season, and I didn't have that thousand dollars in the bank to put gas money in my rig or to pay my bills. Like the most important thing is to have time a field, and you can make do with the items you have. And so I started making this rule where I'd upgrade, you know, one or two pieces of gear a year that were important to me. And then I just make do. It's like I didn't need the fanciest camo, or I didn't need the fanciest bow. Like, you know, the the last bow. You know, it's like these bows will keep good for years down the road, and you actually build a relationship with them. Like, I think, you know, to have a bow for five, six, seven years, even ten years, you get good use out of them. And it comes down to the shooter, not the bow. Like, if you put in your time and you practice and you spend time with your your tuning and learning your gear inside out, you're going to be effective with what you have. And, and yeah, I'm just not a gear nut like I have all the necessary gear and I probably have more than enough gear to do anything I want to do but I'm just not out researching the next greatest piece of gear that's going to change my life it's like I got everything I need I I have everything I need to go kill a deer and and, you know I've got my system dialed but yeah I'm just not I'm just not the gear nut and I think guys stress like I get so many questions about broadheads, like um the the broadhead yeah. questions and the arrow questions, and it's like, man, it's it's like sometimes I don't think I shoot good enough to tell the difference, you know? It's like, and and if I just yeah. if I hit them in the middle, they die. It doesn't matter, you know. I've tried out so many different heads and expandables and fixed, and it's like if I hit them in the lungs, heart, or the liver, they die, you know? And it's so, like, I focus more on my accuracy than I do the broadhead. And sure, I want a good operating broadhead that's going to get the penetration, that's going to open a big hole, that's going to cause blood loss, you know? Sure, there's, like, these key requirements for it, and you definitely want to make the right decision and go afield with the right setup. But in the same breath, guys just stress over this and change broadheads every year, and you know, and and a lot of times, if something bad happens, they want to blame it on the head, you know, that, oh, it was an that did that and it's like no it was probably where you hit that thing at like you know if you hit them right they're gonna die with that thing and you know funny things can happen for sure and it can glance off a rib or a shoulder you know there's definitely things that can go wrong um you know don't get it twisted but in the same breath it's like man i can go out there with any broadhead and i'm still gonna kill animals like it just I just don't stress over that stuff like some guys. So I think the the effort just needs to be put in different places. And sure, you need to research gear and have the right setup for the animals you're hunting. But after you have that setup, it's just like spend your time uh, like building your hunting skill. I think. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. No, oh my gosh, the arrow thing. I could burn another hour with you on that. Like people just like hitting their head, like just hammering their heads into the dirt about like arrow weight like like hitting a certain arrow weight and having a certain percentage of foc and three fletch versus four fletch and single bevel versus double bevel and just like dude like exact what you said like go you can go pick any broadhead up okay and if you put it in the lungs the animal's gonna die okay so the imp- the most important thing to like for to me when I think about that stuff is exactly what you said. It's accuracy. Like how like how accurate are you? Can you can you hit what you're looking at time and time again? If you can do that, and then like the like uh, to to bounce off of that like the bow tuning thing, 
Um, I think that that is very, very, very overcomplicated as well. Like people spend a ton of time tuning. And if you like to do that, that's awesome, right? Like, like do it, you know, cause like it, it could be fun and everything like that. But if you're not one of these guys, that's just like a tuning, like a tuning nut, you know, and you find a lot of enjoyment out of it, dude, I'm gonna like what I do. I paper tune at three yards and six yards. I get a bullet hole with a fletched field point and then everything is fine. Like, like that. <laughs> It's like, there's not this giant process, you know what I mean? And I've done this on video, like I've shown people on video, like I'm not, like I, I've gone down the rabbit hole in the past of like going through bear shaft tuning and stuff. And there's, and if, like I said, like, if you want to do that, that's totally fine. But I really don't think it's necessary at all. Um, Cause after I do that, I get those bullet holes at three and six yards. I can put on a broadhead, even a fixed head that I use and I can, I can group with my field points at 80 yards with them. So, you know, so I think that using gear as a crutch, if when something goes wrong, I think that's just the easy thing to do, right? Like, oh yeah, it, it was my gears fault. There's no way that I did something wrong. Whereas in reality, dude, you were probably, you know, shaking like a leaf when that deer was in front of you, right? Especially newer hunters, they get an opportunity to put, bend the limbs back on a critter. You're, no one's going to tell me a new, like, they're not, like, not, like, not um, all there, right? Like, like, like it is an adrenaline-packed moment, okay? And, like, I remember the first time I was at full draw, like, on a bull, I straight blacked out, dude. <laughs> like, like, I shot him, but, like, I don't remember anything, which is one of the beauties of it, right? Like, that dude, like being in those like situations like that, those having those experiences, that is so addicting. Like something that turns your crank that much. That is one of the beauties of bow hunting in my opinion. But um, anyways, yeah, I, th I, I feel like the gear thing is just like definitely overemphasized. And uh, I think people need to definitely like go in the field. And I remember what I used to do, man, is like I would go out like scouting trips and stuff and say like I was scouting for deer or whatever and like I'd see some does and I'd have my camera with me and I would like you know what I'm gonna see how close I can get to these things you know and just like test out that stuff like test out your stalking skills and try to learn how to get close to animals that's stuff that you can't buy you can't buy that in a store you have to go out and and put in the sweat equity in the mountains to actually learn how to do that you know and um I think you're just going to be better off in the end if you do. Yeah, man, you're spot on. And and we're not saying don't tune your bow, and we're not saying don't no. make you know uh, decisions with your gear. Like you do want to find forgiving gear that works for you. You want to find the right arrow that'll tune out of your bow. I, I'm pretty similar. I spend sure. some time on my tune, but you're right. I have gone deep down the rabbit hole of of bear shaft tuning and torque tuning, and you know I've gone down these different rabbit holes of doing it. And I don't think I shoot good enough to tell the difference. You know, it's like I'm the same way. I right. paper tune at three yards, paper tune at six yards. Now I want to find a forgiving tune where I'm, you know, where I'm getting good, consistent bullet holes and I'll spend some time doing it. And then also, sure. you know, really dialing in my sight tape. I want to make sure that all my gear is working correctly and I can trust it. But you're right. The emphasis is like 
just like you're talking about stalking. Like the the reason I'm a good bow hunter is because I've spent so much time stalking animals to know what I can get away with and what I can't. And so a way to further that skill set is to practice stalking does like you're doing high opportunity hunts. Like it makes a difference. And then what you're talking about, about executing on animals, it's like you get your gear all dialed in and then you almost need to focus on your mental game before season, like getting a hold of yourself executing a correct shot on an animal and you can walk yourself through these steps in your practice that like being able to talk yourself through a shot and execute and then like getting around buddies or high pressure situations and executing those good shots and then getting your mind right for what you're going to do when you get a shot at an animal so you're building this blueprint of what you're going to do when you're under this fog of adrenaline and you're right the first you're not going to be great at it when you start like nobody is everybody has to go through this learning curve of learning how to shoot at animals so you know, it is like I do work on my shooting and improve my skill set of shooting and give myself the best chance coming into season. But what I'm really working on as I get close is my mental game so that not only can I shoot a good arrow in a target, but I want to be able to shoot my best arrow at an animal. And I think that's the difference is like, you know, shooting good groups makes me feel good and makes me know that my bow's dialed and I'm working on my shooting skill set. But really the 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 skill for bow hunting for me is to transition my good shooting to my good shooting on animals and that's like the toughest transition to make it's like you know you stick a target out anywhere out there 100 yards or in and i'm going to hit it in the middle you stick an animal out there you know that's where you want to get good is being able to stick that arrow in an animal and like perform your best shot on a critter um you know and and then you know it you just start arrowing critters and stuff ends up dying and like pretty soon like you're you get better and better at it the more you do it but you know that's where the the guys need to put their effort more so it's like you figure out your gear that works for you and you definitely want to figure figure out a forgiving setup you want to figure out your camp setup uh you know all the necessary gear to hunt the way you want to hunt that's definitely like key and important but then you just really want to work on these different skill sets of physical fitness and stalking and executing shots on animals and uh your map research and time in the field getting comfortable with you know being in the wilderness or camping a, a day upon day out there like that's where i think guys efforts need to be oh dude yeah your mind um i think that robs people of success more than anything probably you know like somebody like what i what i used to and i did this when i first started out and now now that i'm past that point like i see other other folks do it is like uh say you're we're doing a spot and stock hunt for deer right and you're glassing up these deer and you know you're sitting there and and you're kind of beating your head into the ground like wondering what you should do right? Like, should I go? And you're trying to like overanalyze the situation where you need to be calculated a hundred percent, right? You need to like try to have like a calculated approach and everything like that. But I feel like folks almost talk themselves out of going over there because they're afraid of failure, right? Like, well, you know, I don't think he's going to be there by the time I get there. Right. Like, I mean, well, I mean, the only way you're going to know that is if you go try to get over there, <laughs> like, you know, and uh, and I did that a lot when I first started out, man. I, I would like overanalyze the situation and, and just try to like I thought I was being um, 
very tactical. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I was just it was just paralysis by analysis is what it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's bow hunting, right? Like once I got out of that and I just started, I was like, you know what? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm going to bust these deer out and I'm going to go find some more. That's what's going to happen. Um, and one of the what you were saying about like, you know, executing on animals and all that stuff. Um, I think there is so much to to be said for putting yourself in those situations like newer bow hunters dude i it like in the end you got to do what you want to do okay but when i hear like newer bow hunters like they're going on like a mule deer hunt and they're like oh yeah i want to i'm going for like a 150 buck you know like something like that i'm like okay you know what i mean in the end dude if i are you kidding me when i was first starting out bow hunting if that thing had pencils coming out of his head i was going after him you know because that experience right there like what you're going to get from like trying to stalk that spike or forky or whatever um is so valuable to be able to like transition that to bigger to bigger bucks right because like you're going to experience so many things like i after so many times of failing on every opportunity that i that i that was in front of me you start to see like a like a a little bit of a blueprint after that right like you start to be like well you know what for for this is just my experience talking here every time i try to come from below i get busted (laughs) like and you start coming out coming up with these rules at least i did you know and that helps you build your game in the field right but sitting back and you know over analyzing the situation you're not really learning anything by doing that you know like get, go have some fun man like get out there this is about like you have a deer tag in your pocket and there's a deer over there you know um go go try to go try to make it happen and the worst thing that's going to happen is it doesn't happen you know and and you just start over and that's hey that's bow hunting man that's i mean that's just hunting in general like not everything works out you know and you just have to be able to take that information that you get from those like quote unquote failures which in my opinion like a failure is just really you just it was an attempt not necessarily a failure you just it was an attempt you gained another piece of the puzzle that you didn't have before okay and now it's time to move on to the next one and maybe the next one works out you know so um yeah it, it's it's just so cool man being out there and going through that whole thing um and I, you like having a positive head on your shoulders throughout the whole thing that's just going to keep you in the game yeah man you your insight is so valuable you've just been doing it for so many years it's like when i when i hear you talk about that stuff it just resonates and hits home with me because you're you know you're spot on like um man you got to give yourself a chance at success like um you know you can sit there and overanalyze and think you're playing a chess game and you don't want to stalk reckless but you start to learn what you no. can get away with and what you can't and you have to give yourself a chance like the other night i was sitting with my buddy dan it was sunday night i have to work tomorrow we saw a bear come out it came out below a sow and two cubs grizzly like uh it came out and then it walked out of the meadow back into the timber 
And so it would have been easy to sit there. We were so far away from it, had to lose and gain so much elevation to get to it. It would have been easy to just go, oh, he walked back in the timber. There's grizzlies above it. Like, man, let's just try to catch him another night. But instead, like, I look over at my buddy Dan, and there's no doubt about it. He's got the same attitude as me. And it's like, man, we just got to send it. We got to give ourselves a chance. Like, and my thought process was is that he would be inside that first hundred yards in the timber feeding on that green grass because he came out in the evening to come feed on the grass like he's not going to walk back in the timber and disappear sure he could have but we went all the way over there to give ourselves a chance and sure enough we see that bear and my buddy dan's puts a perfect arrow in it and we kill that bear where it would have been easy not to go and throughout the years like i had a cameraman last year that i took that was a new cameraman and i took him on a late season hunt and he had been on quite a few hunts before Uh, But this was the first one with me. And so, you know, he told me the difference is, is that we always go for it. He's like, man, it doesn't matter how far that deer is. It doesn't matter where he's at. It doesn't matter how much time we have. He's like, man, you just go for it, you know, and he's right. And sometimes you get there and the animal isn't there. Sometimes you screw it up. Sometimes you back out and leave him for another day. But you're just always like giving yourself a chance and you almost – like um, you want to have a strategy and you want to be calculated about your plays. You don't want to be reckless and just be chasing game all over. But the only way you learn that is by going over there and messing it up and going, gosh, that, yeah, that didn't work out. I, I guess I can't come from below on these mule deer like I thought or that isn't yeah. a play. That needs to be a hard rule. And we all are just building these hunting instincts, which is our decision making process where, you know, we have to make these decisions, whether we'll go, how we'll approach, how we'll come in, but they're they're all personal. Like your style of hunting isn't going to be the exact same as mine. Sure, we're going to have things that we do similar, but there's also going to be different ways we think about things, different things we're looking for. Like when I'm hunting elk, I want to hunt them in their feeding feature where I can see them and move in on them. Early season mule deer, I love catching them in their bed, but if he's on his feet mm-hmm. and I've got a chance to get to him, like I know I can still kill that buck. Late season mule deer, you know, I'm more going to send it over to that buck, whether he's bedded or on his feet, and then I'm going to uh, I'm going to adapt to the situation I'm given once I get there, readapt my approach, and then try to get in. So, like, I've built all these kind of rules and tendencies in this style of hunting and then just listening to my instincts. But it's so important, like you said, is just giving yourself a chance at success. It's really easy to sit on a vantage point or to find a deer and make up excuses why you're not going to kill that thing. And instead, you look at that situation and go, how can I get in on that deer? How can I give myself a chance? And there's times where, you know, that animal isn't in a good position and you don't have a play. It was like I hunted a big buck in Colorado a couple years ago that I really wanted to kill. And, um, you know, I spent a couple days bedded within a couple hundred yards of this deer without an approach, but I kept that element of surprise and then, you know, found myself in bow range the, the third time in there when he finally did give me a chance. And I had to go, you know, all the way around this 13,000 foot mountain and then come down on him and there was an approach. But instead of looking at it while you're not going to kill that animal, it's like try to figure out how you can or how you can put yourself in range. And when you make a mistake and you blow one out, like, man, it is just a learning experience. And the only reason that I'm the bow hunter I am, and I imagine you are, is like all these failures, you start to learn and you start to find tendencies and you start to figure out what you can get away with and what you can't. You start to figure out what works. You develop these hunting instincts, which is your decision-making process. And then, you know, when you when you see the right opportunity, you're able to close on it. 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man. Um, the uh, sitting back there and just kind of thinking about stuff is is just not. You you need to you need to send her. Sometimes you just need to send her and stop and stop thinking too much about stuff and uh, and and get over there and experience that stuff. And 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 there's so much that you can learn from stuff like this. You know what I mean? Podcasts and books and everything like that. Um, but um coming up with your own experiences i think is the most effective way for you personally because it's it like it's going to match your style right like like what you were saying about like oh i didn't have an approach well the reason that you know you didn't have an approach was from experience right whereas like maybe 20 years ago maybe you just would maybe you would have went over there and, and blew it up but because of past experiences, you know, oh, if I do this, this isn't going to work out. You're not sitting there uh, com- like coming up with a bunch of reasons why uh, this stock is is going to blow up. You already you, you, you already know because you, you've been there. Right. Because something that I kept hearing when I first started bow hunting was like, oh, yeah, he wasn't in a good position. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? You know, like the only way you figure out what that means is by is by going over there and screwing up and and being like, well, you know what? It doesn't work out when I do this. Um, And then the next time around, you know, uh, you you can apply that like this. This past coos deer season, I uh, I didn't go on a stock for for I, I don't think I went on a stock for like two or three days because I just it just wasn't there. You know, like what I was seeing, like based off of my experience, it just wasn't there, you know, and then finally, finally it all ended up working out. But, um, but yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta get out there and, uh, and, uh, be a student of the mountains, you know, and, and really try to absorb the things, the things around you. Yeah, it's so true. Yeah. Yeah, It's like, I have, um, I have the aggressiveness, like that's always been in my blood to send it, to go for it, to give myself a chance and as I as I get more experience and more hunting skill, then I'm able to mix more of the patience in there, and it just turns more black and white to me and less gray. Like, I used to not know whether he, like you said, I don't know if he's in a good position or not. I'm just going to go over there and go see. And sometimes I'd go miles and lose so much elevation and come back in the middle of the night just to get over there just to spook him because the wind wasn't right or just to spook him because my approach wasn't right or he wasn't in the right spot. And, um, yeah, you start to learn and so you're able to mix those those patience with the aggressiveness and and being in good physical shape helps too like it helps with your mental attitude of wanting to send it because you know you can rely upon your legs and your body to get you there and get you back and those are the best adventures too and so like you're spot on like this information that we can get it's like you can get it from this podcast you can get it uh, you know, books and videos, which you both have, like your dude, your book's wonderful too. What a resource of information, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was definitely, um, definitely like gratifying putting that together, you know, like, uh, the whole backpack hunting thing is a, is a rabbit hole. And I think that, um, it is, it's oftentimes overcomplicated, you know what I mean? Cause it's so far removed from, from normal life back in the city. Right. So like the thought of, you know, going and living, living off of your back in the middle of nowhere is fairly daunting to most people, you know, like how, oh, this is obviously like a big endeavor, which it is physically. Right. But it, it's also 
not that complicated. It's like, you know, bring with you what you need and go and go out there. And, and on the gear note with that whole thing is like, um, I think what we were talking about with gear earlier really translates to the backpack hunting thing because it's, it is an investment, you know what I mean? Like this stuff is expensive. Um, but in the end, I think what you need to do is like get the gear that is going to get you in the field and let you experience the backcountry. Like if you want, like, so what if you don't have the best gear in the world, right? Just get yourself out there. Like my first tent for backpack hunting was a seven pound tent and I carried, and it was just like, <laughs> these days, totally unacceptable to me. Okay. But it, it got me in the field. You know, it let me get out there and sleep in the dirt. So I hauled that thing around all over the place. Um, so yeah, any, anyways, if, if anyone's looking, looking to get into backpack hunting, man, um, I'm really proud of how it turned out. It's just like, it's called becoming a backpack hunter and it's a from front to back look at backpack hunting from you don't even know if you want a backpack hunt all the way to packing an animal out back to the truck. And my goal with that book was to, give somebody a uh, very like a like a blueprint it, it on uh you if you've never done this before you're going to be able to go out on your first backpack hunt after you after you dive into this book you know so and i and the, the feedback i've gotten on it has been overwhelmingly supportive so really appreciative of how everything turned out dude it's such a great resource for guys so it's like using these resources to like then apply to your own hunting get out there and have the experience and you're able to take things from josh's book or you're able to take things from my podcast and you're able to apply them to your own hunting and you're able to further your learning curve quicker than 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 say i have you know because you're able to learn from other people's experience and other people's knowledge and so you know i think that's a key part of furthering your hunting skill is taking this information that's out there and applying it to your hunting and yeah dude your backpacking book is such a great resource for guys because backpacking it's such an effective tactic and method to be able to get back and get away from the hunting pressure and i like truly believe it's like the purest form of hunting when you have to carry everything on your back you're going to the most remote places in the lower 48 surviving with what you have and then trying to get within a stone's throat of an animal and put narrow in them dude it's a beautiful thing and i use that tactic you know, not only in the, the vastest tracts of land, lower 48, but I also use them in other national forests and state lands where guys are day hunting or road hunting, and I can get back to the most remote places in those areas. So it's uh, such an effective tactic and um, like such a key skill that um, guys need to pick up and use. So it is, it's like using this information you can gain, applying it to your own hunting and then getting your own experience and seeing what works for you and building your own style of hunting. Like I hunt with a bunch of different people. No two guys hunt the same. There's like this different, you know, I have one buddy that's super aggressive, like hunts more aggressive than me. Like he just goes for it and sends it and pushes the envelope and moves quick. And if he blows an animal out, he keeps moving but he kills critters, you know, like it, it works mm -hmm. for him. Now it's a little bit more aggressive than I like to be, but I also have a super patient hunter that it pains me to hunt with him too, because he hunts so slow and so methodical and patient, almost still hunting everywhere he goes, but that guy kills animals. And so you have to build your own style of hunting. There is no right and wrong way to do things. It's, 
it, it's being able to take things from other people's game, implement it into your own experience and your own game plan, and build your style of hunting. You know, like like craft those hunting instincts to where you do make good decisions. So, yeah, man, it's like a like a big piece of it for sure. No, for sure, dude. Like, I, dude, I loved what you said there about like using backpack. You like backpack hunting as a strategy. I think that's something that's not done oftentimes, man. I think people a lot of times they want to backpack hunt just to backpack hunt. But like what you were saying about going in on state land and national forests and stuff like that, dude. I do that all the time. Like, and it's because like, okay, I know that the day hunters, you know, there's a threshold, right? Like I'm like, so I can use, use backpack hunting as a strategy to get to that threshold. Right. So basically where I'm starting is where the day hunting ends. Right. So that point and beyond there's, there's not, I know I'm not going to probably have to worry about anybody else back there. And the other thing is just, I've always looked at like it's a little more taxing, right? Physically to get into areas when you're backpack hunting because your pack's heavier and all that jazz. But, but in in all reality, I think it's like a super efficient way to hunt, man. Like because uh, like for instance, like um, w- whether I'm bear hunting or or deer hunting or whatever, I I truly enjoy sleeping uh, not far from my glassing spot. Okay. And for a few reasons, like I like getting back there and it lets me sleep more. Okay. Like you get more sleep, more recovery time so I can get in. And you're also never late. So if you have to like get up in the morning at your truck and like, okay, I got an hour and a half hike, dude, how many times, no one's perfect. You know what I mean? Like how many times are you like 10, 15 minutes late? You know, like it happens, man. Um, so using it like that and and just getting back, even if it's just only, you know, two miles or whatever, like I do that all the time just so I can be in spots when I'm supposed to be in spots and take advantage of the most time that I can back there while at the same time uh, skirting around uh, the, the general public, you know, so I think that's that's super valuable, man. Yeah, it's so true. Well, and there's different tactics inside of backpacking too, you know, where sometimes I'm using a base camp close to my vantage, like you're talking about. Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. I can move my camp. So you just like, you're able to base out of different areas. And then there's times like chasing elk where, you know, I'll camp with the lightest weight gear on my back, like 30 pounds worth of gear where I can keep moving with the elk herd and I can just sleep wherever I end up. And so you don't have all this energy back and forth to camp or when I'm looking for mule deer and I'm not in a good spot and I'm traveling country, I can just travel with my camp and you don't have this to and from, or you don't have this feeling like you're getting too far from the truck. Cause I got everything I need to sleep right there. Um, so it is super effective, man. You're spot on. And then you know, also it's like podcast and, and books and, and, and the different information you can pick out there, but also the videos, man. And the video like quality is so good out there and you do such a good job, like on your YouTube channel, like your, uh, your content has like, uh, uh, such good meat and potatoes to it. Like you're really trying to help educate guys, you know, on their hunting, you know, which I, which I think is key. Were you able to, to video this last back black bear hunt you were on? Yeah. Yeah, we were, it, it turned out awesome, man. I, I can't wait for people to, for people to see that. Um, it's definitely like, so I, I try to have like, um, 
like these themes for the hunting films that I put out um because i want it to have a message you know what i mean like like yeah it's just it's a hunt like we got all we get all the hunt like quote unquote like hunt stuff if that makes sense but also like i want people to watch it and come away with something right not not just the entertainment of of watching a black bear hunt you know and this one for me was um just like about how doing hard things oftentimes uh provides the 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 best rewards you know um so i'm really excited for people to see it i don't i probably not going to be out until like august i'm thinking um but yeah i'm i'm building the film right now though and i'm super psyched on it that's really cool man yeah same thing i like to i like to have my videos like say more and it's tough to condense that information it's tough to tell a story and it takes time like working at it but um yeah you definitely do a good job where can guys check out your videos oh yeah uh just uh, my youtube channel if you just go to youtube search dialed in hunter um you'll you'll see it and uh yeah i got all sorts of stuff on there like there's hunt films there's uh tip and tactic videos i'm doing this uh pretty cool a fun little series right now called the road to bow season where i'm basically taking guys i started in march i think on that and um just taking guys from front to back you know what i mean like how what everything that i do you know for for preparation of bow hunting that doesn't really get seen you know like little things like quieting my bow down putting moleskin on the bow just like these these little tips like that that have burned me in the past in the field (laughs) like like just like we were saying, you know, like you you have these experiences and you build your system based off of your experiences. Um, so I'm just sharing all of that. You know what I mean? If I get a new piece of gear, you know, I talk about it. And if I have an issue, you know, like we, we go to the pro shop and get it figured out and just try to bring people through that whole process. And hopefully in the end, you know, they'll have a little bit better perspective um, and maybe something to take away for their own hunts. Yeah, that's great, man. Um I got to go check it out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, definitely encourage guys to go check out Josh's YouTube as it is highly educational and entertaining. So, yeah, man. Um, well, can you believe it? We've already burned, like, I've already burned so much of your time this morning that I love it when the conversations flow like this, when it's this back and forth and sparking of ideas. And um, you're so spot on with your advice to guys. And then, um, yeah, I'm just uh, so happy to see your success, man, and just keep killing it out there. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no, looking forward to uh, looks like another busy season ahead. You got you got a couple good tags coming up. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I um I haven't. Well, I drew a pretty good um uh, early season mule deer tag the other day. But yeah, my season's filling up. I've got a bunch of good adventures and good hunts coming up. Uh, muleys and elk, and um, uh, I do have a, a mountain goat coming up a mountain goat hunt coming up that i'm super stoked at so like um yeah i got a bunch of good hunts what about you your season filling up oh yeah yeah you bet yeah i got a couple i should have a couple um high country mule deer hunts coming up they're all like like one was like 97 percent success another one was 100 percent. so i feel like i should have a couple couple mule deer adventures coming up here pending couple draw results um and then uh drew a late archery bull tag here in arizona so super stoked on that man it's in an area that i 
I know really well, a buddy and, a buddy and me killed a great bull in there last year. And uh, I get another crack at it this year, so pumped on that. And then uh, I'm doing a uh, big uh, backcountry fall bear hunt here in Arizona that I'm super psyched on. I I went and did a big scouting trip for that in uh, multiple scouting trips in the spring. Put on like a bunch of miles in there trying to figure out these bears and finally found an area that just screams fall to me I, i'm just walking along the trail there's acorn shells all over the place you know i'm finding spring scat so i know that the bears are already there you know so big country nasty stuff it just screams black bears so um yeah i'm excited for that and then uh yeah and then i'm probably gonna unless the game and fish is real nice to me and they give me a sheep tag game and fish if you guys are listening to this i'd like a sheep tag that'd be nice um then I won't do anything in December and I'll hang out and then do coos deer in January. So, yeah. Oh, you got a full year. Yeah. It's, um, I, I love the, the planning and plotting and trying to figure out these hunts and then, you know, just trying to dial in the logistics of them, you know, every hunt and where you're going to go and how you're going to go about it. And it does take, uh, constant work for sure. But yeah, I've got a couple new areas that I'm hunting. That's always fun. I love going to new places and trying to figure it out. So yeah, full season, just got to get my work and responsibility done, and it'll be here before we know it. But, yeah, just super stoked, man. Well, I'll be following along um, following along on your hunts and uh, cheering you on this season. And then um, we have each other's numbers, so make sure you keep in ch- touch and reach out if you need anything from me. But, dude, I really appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time this morning and jumping on the podcast. And then, you know, just being, um, uh, you know, just sharing your knowledge over the years This this um this knowledge that you've earned and that you gained like um uh I know what it takes to to get that information so I just appreciate you being so authentic and upfront and like being able to share that with my audience man it's um it's really cool Oh dude I appreciate you having me on man it's always nice talking to I know whenever I get on the like, hop on the horn with Brian Barney I'm going to burn an, at least an hour and a half or so <laughs> <laughs> totally that's so true so it's just the like minds you know getting together talking about something we're passionate about um you know and time flies by so yeah no always stoked to chat buddy yeah you're the best all right take care all right man okay all right guys that's a wrap fun podcast with um josh kirchner i always like really enjoy uh, those conversations with him, um, like such an intelligent approach to improving his bow hunting game. And so uh, just always gets me fired up, ready for season. And speaking of that, season's coming, man. It's not going to be too far away. And hopefully you guys got some good adventures coming up. I know I got a really full schedule. And um, it's just going to be as much fun as a guy can have in the fall, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, just getting everything dialed in. We'll take off on this bow hunt, go hang out with some buddies, chase some axis deer around. Love hunting axis. Um, their instincts are so keen, they're so quick, and then um, just such a beautiful deer. So, yeah, I can't wait to get out there and chase those things around a bit. So, um, yeah, back to get this podcast out and start packing my stuff, and uh, we'll hop on a plane tomorrow. So um, I'm going to go do that. But, yeah, thanks, you guys, for listening in. Thanks to Josh for taking the time coming on. Make sure to go check out his IG, his YouTube, everything he does. He has his book as well. And, um Man, go check out our sponsors, and thanks to those guys' support for today. Um, Again, Cutter Stabilizers, go check those out. Uh, Method Archery, 
uh, Black Ovis, again, the promo code for 10% is Elevated10. Um, Camo Fire, the um, app where you can pick up some good deals, and Silencer Central, making hunting silencers. So check those guys out. And, um, man, yeah, it's um, just busy here in the summertime. Uh, it's, it's just been full of fun. You know, life just gets busy. It's uh, it's like balance with um, work and family and everything else um, got going. But uh, it'd be nice to cut out of here for some bow hunting and go chase those things around. It's like so fun when you actually get out there. It's uh, tough to get away on a trip or tough to get ready for a bow hunt. And you have so many responsibilities to take care of. But, um, you know, step by step, get things done, get things out. And then, um, man, like get there and be present and really enjoy my time. So it's so fun to like bow hunt a tropical spot. So it's so fortunate to be able to hunt Hawaii. So fortunate to have really good friends out there and um, so yeah, I just can't wait to get out there and cut these legs loose and start off my season. So we'll go do that. And then we've got some, um, big August hunts coming up. So super excited for those. Uh, just got some more stuff to get done and get ready for these things. So sure you guys got some big adventures coming up. Make sure to get in that training now and that shooting now, like right now is the time to improve your skill set for season. So keep putting in the work and, um, Man, I know that we'll we'll get some chances and opportunities this fall. So uh, thanks, you guys. Really appreciate the support. We'll check in with you next week.